That's right. It's still the spirit of Christmas here on Daybreak Devotions. We're going to be carrying this on at least through the rest of this week because I'll be the first to admit, Pastor Mike has worn me down a little bit. First couple of times he started talking about the whole 12 days of Christmas thing, I thought, I just don't know about all that. I'm kind of christmas out come Christmas Day. But I got to admit, this year, I am really looking forward to continuing on in the same frame of mind that we've been talking about and living in and looking forward to for the last several weeks. We're just going to stay in that same frame of mind and just keep continuing on in the goodness that this season brings. And I am looking forward to the next couple of days. We're going to do something special here on Daybreak Devotions. As you can tell, I'm solo in introducing uh, the program today and tomorrow, but that's because what we're going to do is we're going to take a trip back in the Wayback Machine, so to speak, and we're going to air a broadcast from the Mid-Morning Man of Days that also doubled as a Code of Man podcast where myself and Pastor Mike and Deacon Dean Carmichael got together to review a recent watching of It's a Wonderful Life that we had done together as a group. Our wives and uh, all of us got together and, and viewed the movie. And for me, that was my very first time ever seeing It's a Wonderful Life. I know, don't throw rocks at me, but it took me until I was 31 years old to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Write us at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com and express your displeasure, and I'd be more than happy to respond to your emails. That being said, I remember that it was a... An eye-opening experience might sound too cliche, but there was so much goodness because of the lessons that we were able to draw in things that were going on in our lives at that point in time, were continuing to be going on, and just how to put into practice this, this is what life is all about. This is the abundant life that we as believers understand that Jesus came to offer to us and how all of that connects and ties in so well. And so I'm glad to be able to share that over today and tomorrow as well here on Daybreak Devotions. But I also have one other very important matter of business that I need to go ahead and get out early on. Daybreak Devotions is going to be taking a little bit of an overhaul at the start of 2024. January the 1st, we're going to be looking at a new format and in a new time slot. Right now, Daybreak Devotions airs between 6.30 and 7 o'clock on WPET. But what we're going to do is we are actually going to be going down to a 15-minute broadcast that is going to air at 9.45 in the morning. So those of you that were with us back in the mid-morning manna days many years ago, well, remember we used to air from 9.30 to 10. Well, we're going to be moving back closer to that time slot, but we're also going to be switching up the style of Daybreak Devotions. And it's going to take a little bit of an of an overhaul, and what we're going to do is we're going to break up throughout the course of the week some of the messages that have been preached from the pulpit here at the church. So, again, if you'll remember us from our gospel outreach days, McLeansville Baptist Church has had a, a, a wonderful opportunity to engage in radio ministry for many, many, many years, and we are constantly reevaluating what is going to be the best usage of both our time and our resources. And so, that's how the program is going to begin to look from 9.45 to 10 o'clock. Myself, Pastor Mike, sometimes both of us will be behind the microphones together. And what we're going to be doing is introducing uh, each segment of the message throughout the course of that week. And so we trust that you'll continue to 
join in with us and and allow that to be a, a help and an encouragement to you. But for some of you that have really enjoyed this style of broadcast, we are also going to make available a podcast that myself and Pastor Mike will be recording each week. It'll release at the first part of each week. Rather than having five 30-minute time slots, we're just going to have one extended release broadcast per week. And it's going to come under the title of The Way of Holiness Podcast. And so on January the 1st, you'll be able to log on to McLeansvillebaptistchurch.com. We'll have a link all uh, available there for you to get redirected right to that upload. And so that's how the the radio ministry of McLeansville Baptist Church is going to begin to kind of take a little bit of a shift. And so we trust that you'll continue to stay tuned in with us. If you've got any questions, feel free. Again, reach out to us at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. Call us here at the church office, 336-697-8121, and we would love to be able to share a little bit of time in conversing with you. But with all of the formalities and announcement aside, we're now going to turn our attention to, to to today's discussion. But to take us into that time, let's listen to a wonderful Christmas song of the season from Brother Bruce Fry. Oh, come all ye faithful.
when we set out to do this episode, when I thought about a foundational text for this movie, I thought about Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. This is where Jesus says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And to me, that captures this movie because here's a guy, George Bailey, who is his entire life wanting to have more, be more, do more, that he thinks will make his life full and meaningful and rich. And almost at the expense of chasing those things, he almost loses everything that's right there in front of him, which has actually made his life wonderful. And I think that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples and to us in that passage is, is don't overlook what you have, where you are, chasing everything the world's offering. If you gain the whole world, but your soul uh, is is crushed and, and dries out and dies on the inside, you've missed life. You've missed what it's all about. Hey, Mary. As I was lumbering down the street, down the street, down the street. Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. you got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too oh, no, what? George, don't. It, it's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. It's right in the second floor there, see? <laughs> What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and <laughs> next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college to see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were well, you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? There it is. Now, that's a very important scene of the movie because a number of things that we're talking about. Okay, so George is wanting everything he just described. I'm going to build things. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to go places. I'm going to be big. Sometimes it's those unfulfilled desires or to put it into our life with Christ, life with God, unanswered prayers that that really matter the most. Mm-hmm. When we don't get what we think we wanted, but we get instead what we needed. And it takes George a long time to realize that. And it's one thing to, to really point out is his attitude towards Bedford Falls. He calls it this crummy little town. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scenes early on where he just refers to it like, you know, why would you want to live here? Why would you want to do that? Just like us, George is not perfect. He makes a lot of bad decisions in the movie. Not, And the root of all that is his lack of contentment with what he's been given and the wonderful town he's been given and just not being satisfied with what he had and always wanting more. And not getting more caused him to get frustrated, which caused him to get angry, which caused him to make some poor decisions. Well, and one thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting he spends the whole first part of the movie chasing, you know, the big city. I, you know, I want to make it big. I want to make it. Well, then, whenever he's uh, going through the scenes where you know he's no longer in the picture and Bedford Falls has been converted to Pottersville, Pottersville looks like a street 
in New York City in 1940. I mean, there's flashing lights. There's all of this big, grand stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything that George was chasing after, and now it's not, it's not satisfying. So your point being that sometimes we get what we think we wanted, and it turns out it's not what we wanted which is what helps George realize that what he was overlooking his entire life was actually what he needed. I think about two men in Scripture that, that I could connect with this, this idea of sometimes things happen that you don't think you want to happen, but they get you where you need to be. Both of them are named Joseph. Not Joseph! Joseph! <laughs> but there is a connection there, right? But there's the Old Testament Joseph. And remember everything Joseph went through, the betrayal of his brothers, the false imprisonments, the lies, everything that happened to him. But ultimately, in the end, he forgives his brothers and he makes this statement. He says, you know, you thought to do evil unto me, but God meant it unto good. And the underlying point there is that behind the scenes, God was at work in his life bringing about something good, even though the journey just didn't seem to be panning out. And the takeaway with that Joseph's life is, you know, stay true, stay faithful, keep believing. And then I think about that other Joseph in the New Testament. Now, you talk about somebody that thought he was on the right trail, and then boom, what is going on here? I mean, now this, this woman, Mary, that I have, you know, am marrying is already with child? What's going, you know? So with both of those situations, it's kind of like George. You know, you, you, you're not getting what you thought you wanted, but you end up getting something far better in the mm-hmm. end. Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Since that point's been brought up, though, um, what George didn't get was to travel the world, at least not by the end of the movie. I kind of think maybe he got to make some trips later on once things settled down. You know, that's just how life is. But if George had slipped off to college, if George had not gone to the dance that night, he would have not met, you know, danced with Mary. That would have changed his life. If George had went off to college instead of staying with the building and loan, you know, how many people would not have, Martini wouldn't have got his home and all those other people that got to move out of, what is it, Potter's Slum? Yeah. yeah. Potter's Field, and they, Potter's they, they, Field. Get, they get their own house. I mean, there's so many things, and I know I'm crossing over a lot of points here, but it's the impact of every single person's life for good or bad, and it's how we choose to live it that matters. And George did make some decisions that sacrificed his own happiness. Yeah his own desires at the time. But but by doing that, even though he did it kind of complaining and grumbling, which why I can relate to George a lot, you know, ultimately it was the right decisions and everybody's, so many people's lives were bettered because of it. So Romans 8, 28 is a big underlying theme in this. All things work together for good to them that love God. And another thing about Pottersville, Pottersville is not direct judgment. Pottersville was a... It, it was Clarence showing George, this is how much one person can impact an entire town. And one thing to really grasp, if you've never seen the movie and you're going to watch it, one thing to really take away as men, as Christian men, Potter had everything but what? Everything but the home. That's what he couldn't get his hands on. And you, you draw that parallel of him and, and Satan um, of how Satan's the prince of the power of the air, Potter was everywhere. I mean, he was in the entertainment. He was down the street. He he owned everything, but you know the building alone. He couldn't get his hands on it. Mm-hmm. He he couldn't do it. So as soon as soon as Potter got his hands on the home, he was able to corrupt the individual even more. 
and you saw this town full of entertainment and uh, what's what's the thing instant gratification. Mm-hmm. But Ernie, the cab driver, one of George's friends, the guy who sits around on his brains all day, right? Guy who sits around on his brains all day has a great singing voice. Well, his wife left him, and he's he's depressed. Mm-hmm. And Ma Bailey, who was relying on George after his father's death to help provide for, she had to open up a boarding, boarding house, house, right? And there's all these different individual lives that were directly related to George in a close, intimate level that really suffered because he was never around. And that's, that's just the main point of the whole movie is, as James says, if you know to do good and do it not, it's sin. And being able to help so many people in the impact that it had. And the ripple effect of, of seemingly insignificant actions. Of course, I know nobody would say diving into the water and pulling your little brother out of a freezing pond would be insignificant. But something as small as, you know, saving the life of a child, George wasn't there, uh, Harry drowned, and then that aircraft ended up flying into that uh, ship and killing all of those, mm-hmm. uh, all those... Uh, uh, Soldiers. Yeah, all the Navy the, right there. Sailors? So, yeah, sailors. There we go. Goodness. People? Yeah. Lives? Wow. Yeah. God's Anyhow, children? All of those people passed away, and so the lives of... An insignificant boy saving another insignificant boy in an insignificant town, yet all of those other lives directly impacted by that one action. And that was the thing that was that was evident all throughout the movie so many times is you never know which small action is going to end up having huge ramifications in the future. And it is why nothing in our life is insignificant or unimportant. God has the ability and the desire to use every moment to to bring untold amounts of good in this world. And and the thing to remember is is it's not that God is manipulating the situation or using us as puppets. What right. he's doing is he is willing to work through as you're saying, work through the choices we make, how we consecrate our lives to him daily, which again, we've talked about this. The more we mature in our faith, we we have to move from consecrating our day. Like, you know, we get up in the morning, we say, God, today I want to live for you. Lord, I want to serve you this day. I give you this, I give you myself this day. As we mature, we learn how to bring that into the hour. We learn how to bring that into the decision and the situation to where we didn't just dedicate ourselves this morning and now we go live the day, but we're actually staying in that frame of mind so that God works through all those little, those little decisions we make every day, those little choices we make those encounters that happen. So I heard this morning, I know you like Adrian Rogers. I was listening. He was saying that in the span of history, there have been estimated 60 billion people that have lived on the earth, 60 billion people. But he made the statement. He said only a handful have made a lasting impact. I know what he was saying. He was introducing Jesus. He was preaching about Jesus and who Mm -hmm. Jesus is. And by lasting impact, there have only been a handful of people who you can look back across history and everybody remembers their name and everybody remembers things they did. But I was thinking because of what we're talking about today, that's not true. Of the 60 billion people that have lived on this earth, all 60 billion have made a lasting impact for good or for bad by the decisions that they made every day of their life. Mm -hmm. And we may never see the full extent of that. We don't get the gift that George had to see what Mm -hmm. life would have been like without him. But that's exactly what happened. 
Well, I was just thinking, one point that we bring out a lot is talking about social media and how dangerous it is and just how much trouble a person can get into now. I mean, you think of all the addiction that's going around and just how, imagine what one life can do just to prevent all that or cause all that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have so many kids today who are addicted to pornography simply because mom and dad didn't monitor their phone. Mm -hmm. You also have kids who have no problem with it. Why? Mom and dad were like, hey, we know what's going on here. You don't need a cell phone. You're, you're nine years old. Why do you need a cell phone for? And that's just one of many examples. So that's very true is what you're saying. Everybody has an impact. The person listening right now, you have an impact. I like that you introduced the, the idea here of the, the villain, the antagonist. Let's get the look. Let's get the take of that conflict between Potter and George after Peter Bailey dies. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny ante building alone, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character because his whole life was... Why, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? He didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Probably... Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You you said that they, what'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait, wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that they, do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about, I know. Well, I, I, I've said too much. I... You're the, you're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. There's just one thing more, though. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling to Potter. Come on. What you hear there is something that still exists today. You know, when George says, what do they have to wait for till they're old and broken down? And yes. basically, they can't actually get into a, a real life until life has almost passed them by. But you look at our society and culture today, one of the things we're trying to push against all the time is this idea that you've got to have the biggest, the best. And people are living until what he described. Their children are grown and gone, they're retired, and they're still trying to pay off a mortgage. Right. You know, because they've got to have all that stuff versus hashtag Bedford Falls life, where we're looking for the simpler the the slower the we don't have to have all the stuff and things but let's just enjoy what life is supposed to be and potter couldn't get that and by the way the enemy the one that comes to steal kill and destroy he doesn't get that either and he will be very pleased if you'll stay caught up in that rat race harry the other day you said i think i think it was you, you harry said 40 is the new 20 i think that was you i don't think that was me well someone said but if hey, it's good take i'll take credit. credit for it i don't know where they got this from but Somebody not named Harry or E.T. 
said 40 is the new 20. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with someone in their 40s feeling youthful. But there is the other side of that coin. And that is what you're talking about. The individual who is not doing what people 50, 60, hashtag Bedford Falls life years ago were doing until they are well established. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have kids until I pay my house off. I'm not going to get married until I mm -hmm. my student loans are paid off, uh, all this. What's the life expectancy of a man? Mid-70s, early 80s? And here you are in your 40s. You're going to wait till your 40s to get married. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're doing, but you're well, pretty much wasting your entire life just planning. Yeah. And I remember that conversation. Now, I don't think I used that exact phrase, but I remember okay. what we were talking about when we said that because that's becoming the running theme. I got married at 21 okay. when, when I got married and was very young compared to most of my peers and contemporaries who some by choices other than their own, you know, they wanted to get married but just had not had that relationship. But an overwhelming majority was like, man, why on earth would you want to get married in your early 20s? Why on earth would you want to be having children in your early to mid-20s, you know, you've got to work, you've got to save up for this, you have to do this, you have to live life, you've got to get here. And a lot of those same people were getting married in their late 20s, early 30s, having children in their mid to late 30s, early 40s, and then it's like, okay, I've done all that I want to do, now I'm going to settle down and, and do all this kind of stuff. But they don't really settle down. They're still just going, and it's just one perpetual cycle of that desire to acquire more and to have more yeah. and to get and to obtain and to go here and I've got to check these boxes and if I want to come to the end of my life and my life be a success, I've got to have done this, that, and the other and anything short of that is an utter failure whereas we're trying very hard to combat and get back to, look, find the value in real life. Mm -hmm. Find what is offered to you and the joys in what we categorize as the small things that are actually the huge things, time, investing in friendships and relationships and family and all of that kind of stuff is far more valuable than stuff that's going to rust and deteriorate later. So whether whether it's the I'm going to wait or whether it's I'm going to go ahead and get married, and it's letting go of all this, this dreaming about having all that the world has to offer. Now, I want to be quick to say something. It's not that desire is a bad thing. And I think, you know, the movie ends with, uh, you know, our, the big key point, you know, my, to my brother George, the richest man in town. But I, I think that, as I said earlier, George may have actually got a chance to do some of those things. But the key is, what is the found, what's your foundational understanding of what you're doing? Because early in the movie, the scene before he leaves to go to the, the dance, the high, the high school dance, his father, Peter, you know, George says, you know, I, I want to do something big. I, I, I can't stand a thought of being you know, stuffed up in his crummy little office, nickel and diamond, save three cents on a length of... Oh, his, I'm sorry, Pop. Yeah, and, and his, he says, I want to do something big. And Peter says, his dad says, well, George, in a way, I think what we're doing here is something big. We're helping you know people get a home, and we're helping their lives. And, you know, George just doesn't quite get that. But if you can get that and understand that the foundation of your life is about what you do for God and others, pursuing your desires, it sort of anchors your desires to the right place. Yes. Well, that's where we're going to have to break away for today. We hope that you have gotten 
some help from today's broadcast, and I encourage you to tune in with us tomorrow as well. Have a wonderful remainder of your day, and we will see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.